It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a sports, sports rush, rush with, with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Here we go, taking you home on a Monday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. We have got a packed show straight up to 6 o'clock. Plenty of guests, including Shane Alberani, to talk common hockey. And we've got Don Fisher, voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, to talk IU basketball and a look ahead into the NCAA tournament, where over the weekend, a lot of the conference tournaments wrapped up. And the Purdue Boilermakers left no doubt about it. They're the best in the Big Ten. After they win the regular season title, they go in and win the double. They get the tourney title as well, defeating Penn State yesterday in the championship game. Of course, Penn State advanced by virtue of a win over Indiana. Or we could have had Purdue versus Indiana part three. But instead, a, a what a terrific job by Micah Shrewsbury. Coaching the Penn State Nittany Lions had him on the verge, on the cusp of winning a Big Ten tournament title. That, uh, to me, that's a team to be reckoned with in the in the NCAA tournament. In fact, it is time to start making your picks because we have got our contest up and running. It is Bracket Bash 2023, presented by all the great folks uh, sponsoring our tournament this year, including Edding Insurance, including Sweet Spot Golf. Also including Coyote Creek Bar and Grill, which, by the way, we will be having a big watch party coming up on Friday night. You'll want to join us and all the cast of characters that you hear right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM with Caleb and Katie in the morning. Our show, The Sports Rush, with Adam and I will be out at Coyote Creek Bar and Grill coming up this Friday night. It's a watch party for the Purdue Boilermakers at 6.50, I believe it is, or 6.55. And then right after that game, we're going to get all set for the Indiana Hoosiers taking on Kent State. Now, we don't know who exactly Purdue is going to play, so we just know it's a Purdue game right now. Uh, they got to play one of the play-in winners between Fairleigh Dickinson and Texas Southern. That game will be played on Wednesday. But on Friday night, we've got the watch party. We're inviting you to come on out and join us at Coyote Creek Bar and Grill. You don't have to be a member of the golf club. You can come on out. They've got great appetizers, great drink specials, and you'll have a chance to win surprises. So put on the cream and crimson or put on the old gold and black and come on out, cheer for your favorite team. Maybe you've got another team, maybe uh, somebody else that's going to be playing. I don't know exactly who plays when, but uh, those those uh, Friday night games, uh, of course, will be focused on primarily Purdue and the Indiana games, but uh, other tournament games that will be taking place on Friday. 
especially in the evening while we're there, you've got uh, Providence in Kentucky, Drake and Miami, which I think has the makings of being a really good game. I I see Miami's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think on my bracket contest as of right now, I've got Drake. I still am kind of considering that one, but I, I, it's a 5-12 matchup. Then you've got Gonzaga versus Grand Canyon. Of course, do you know who the coach of Grand Canyon is, by the way, Adam? I'm going to test you here. I know it's a former – they have a former connection to somebody here, but I don't I don't remember off Bryce the top of my Drew, head. Bryce Drew, who 25 years ago today, I believe, I think today is the anniversary of the shot from Bryce Drew. Uh, what an amazing shot he hit against Ole Miss for uh, my old uh, – my old school, Valparaiso. They never had that kind of success when I was calling the games there. It would have been kind of exciting to be the student broadcaster during that game. You were right. It's uh, It happened on March 13th, 19 of 98. There you go. 25 years ago, Bryce Drew hit the shot that might still be the signature play of any NCAA tournament. Is there any play? Now, I know IU fans are going to say, oh, it's got to be Keith Smart's shot for the title. But seriously, the average NCAA tournament fan, is there any play that kind of, uh, what, symbolizes? Um, it's got to be Christian Leitner and his shot. Leitner's a good one. Yeah, Leitner's might be right there. That There's nothing more March Madness than that. I don't know. The the whole Cinderella thing of, of Valparaiso coming through with the big play and and to execute the play with the time and the situation, I mean that. Yeah, when I think March Madness, I think of I think of Bryce Drew's play. But you're right, Christian Leitner's play is right there, high on the list. Yeah, and I think because it's a later game in the tournament, that also adds to it a little bit. Who hit the shot for Villanova? Now I don't even remember who hit the shot for Villanova to win it. Was that about five or six years ago when Villanova hit the shot? Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins hit the jumper. Um, but see, that that shot, has it, it was a game winner for a national championship, and yet it's quickly forgotten. Everybody still thinks of the signature moments of the tournament being a, a first-round game with Bryce Drew hitting that play at the buzzer. And I'll give you Christian Leitner with the turnaround shot from just uh, inside the top of the key. There's some good ones. I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, Keith Smart's bucket from uh, the corner against uh, was that against Syracuse. Um, I, I'm just go ahead and uh, give us if you've got one that you think of that t- is in your mind the signature play of the NCAA tournament. Let us know four six eight six two. Yeah, someone did already actually weigh in. They said Leitner hands down. Um, Maybe it's just because of my connection with Valparaiso that I, <laughs> I have some bias here. I do have a connection with uh, with Valparaiso. Homer Drew was the coach. Bryce Drew, the star player. But now he is coaching, and he's coaching Grand Canyon. And uh, Mastodon's played at Grand Canyon a couple of years ago. Went out to Phoenix and played, uh, what is their nickname? All I know, it's all purple at Grand Canyon. Everything is purple. Oh, they're the Lopes. The Grand Canyon Lopes. And uh, and it's a uh, very wealthy university in a somewhat depressed area of Phoenix. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, this one area that's all been developed. Now you go outside the campus and it, it's not the greatest part of Phoenix, but 
But uh, beautiful campus, great arena. They pack it every night for home games. It's uh, it, it's just a great atmosphere there in Grand Canyon. Yeah, so they're officially called the Thunder. Their mascot is an antelope. Oh, so they're the Grand Canyon Thunder? Yes. I don't remember what they were. And it hasn't been that long ago, but I've had breakfast since then, so that's not t- you know it's not unusual for me. Four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line. So Purdue leaves very little doubt that they're the best in the Big Ten, although they also leave very little doubt that they have got a real problem taking care of the basketball against full court pressure. Just I a mean, little bit. That's scary. When other teams finally decide to wake up and put full court pressure on Purdue. All of a sudden, every Purdue fan begins holding their breath. And Brandon Newman decides to throw layups by passing it right under the basket to a defender. I I really thought they lost the game there. I thought that was going to be an and one on that layup. And I I thought they had lost the game. I I don't know what Brandon... You're thinking one-point game, final seconds. Now they're in big, big trouble. Uh, But somehow Purdue was able to prevail over Penn State. But... Boy, their weakness has been exposed time and time again, their Achilles heel, and they have not been able to fix it. I mean, it you know, at times you think, okay, look, looks like they're not having a whole lot of trouble with this press. And then when they really put up, pump up the volume on the pressure and they bring four and they trap and they overplay passing lanes, oh, uh, my gosh, Purdue. I just want to scream at the TV, they just get it across. They seem to hang in the air forever. Here is what I think Purdue needs to do. And I'm going to throw this out there for any of our coaches that are listening. Because right now we've got a lot of coaches that listen because their seasons have ended. So now they've got this time free. So they tune in and they get their advice from me. Yeah. Yeah, of course they do. Uh, But I want to ask the coaches for their advice. But here's what I'm thinking. I think you've got to bring Zach Eady into the backcourt and utilize his size, his athletic ability, his hands. And I think you put him midcourt right in the middle of the half court and you throw the ball up high to him. Let him go up and grab it. Um, He's going to be hard to get it knocked out of his hands without fouling him. And then you just basically streak everybody up the court. I don't think you want Zach Eady to dribble it. But what you do want to have is maybe a handoff option, maybe a second handoff option, and then maybe a pass option out of it if both of those fail. But I, you know, the one thing they do not use is Zach Eady in the half court or full court press break. And I'm like, you know what? You got a weapon that's almost unguardable. And the, the Purdue Boilermakers have been very good at feeding him in the post. And so it's almost like pretend it's a post play. Zach Eady, box out your man, keep him behind you, throw the pass to him in the fast break, and utilize Zach Eady and his strengths to maybe be able to break the press. But right now they're trying it with a multitude of guards. They've tried David Jenkins. They've tried Brandon Newman. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer has struggled with it. Even Braden Smith. Uh, Braden Smith at times dribbles into bad spots on the court and then yeah. doesn't make a quick decision. And what happens is you get pinned and now you're throwing through arms and bodies and you're throwing. It, yeah, you're throwing backwards back towards your own basket. I mean, uh, it's just ugly. And I'm thinking, look, if we can't defend him in the half court, maybe this is the only way we beat him. So, you know, if you're a fairly Dickinson or a Texas Southern, what are you going to do against Purdue? You're going to say, we'll let him bring it into the half court. And then what? We're going to just defend Zach Eady in a half court offense? No, they can't. The only chance they have 
is if they can keep the ball from even getting into the front court by putting on aggressive full-court pressure. Purdue is going to face it. They're going to face it for some of these teams that aren't supposed to beat them. And if they don't handle it better than what they've been handling it, they might actually find themselves in games that shouldn't be close. And God forbid they would lose one of these games, like a 16th seed or somebody that they're supposed to beat. Now, I I will tell you, looking ahead, you almost know that – Florida Atlantic or Memphis, depends who comes out of that bracket. If Purdue advances, they're going to see a lot of full-court pressure from those teams because they're very athletic. They've got length. They're going to get up in, in your grill and try to hound you and force turnovers. And yeah. Purdue's not been able to handle that pressure. 46862. Indiana, meanwhile, they go down. They lose to Penn State, and it's the shooting that costs the Hoosiers. They just cannot hit enough three-point shots. That's... That's going to be, I think, one of the big keys for Indiana because it seems like Trace Jackson Davis has been fairly consistent. He can get his. He's been shooting at a high percentage. The problem is, who's the balance for Indiana? Where do they get that balance? Do they get it from Jalen hood Shafino? And most of that is going to be on mid-range shots, not three-point shots. Or can you get what you need offensively from Miller Cop? Because he's the one that I think right now Trace Jackson Davis is calling on to step up, drill shots, be a be a playmaker, and have confidence that you're going to be that guy on the perimeter. And Trace Jackson Davis is kind of calling him out, I think, in press conferences, saying you got to shoot the ball. And, you know, Don Fisher joked last week when he was with us that every time he walks past, uh, you know, Miller Cop or Trey Galloway, that he always says, you know, shoot it. Yeah. And because these guys have to be confident in shooting the ball from the perimeter. Yeah. Galloway and Cop have to hit three-point shots. Right now, you don't have Tamar Bates with a confidence problem. He's going to shoot it regardless, and it doesn't matter if he's been 0 for 7 or if he's been 3 for 3. He's launching it. I mean, this guy, and and when he's hitting, you're like, oh, man, that guy really is a big help and an asset. When he's not, he looks like a total liability on the floor. He's one of those guys that can take you either way. Um, but, uh, cause sometimes it looks like he gets out of control. Sometimes he makes questionable turnovers. Sometimes he takes bad shots and he misses them, but then other times he'll take bad shots and make them. And then he'll throw passes that look impossible. They, and he, you're, you're like, he threaded the needle on that one. Um, but that's Tamar Bates. He has a very high risk, high reward type of game. And sometimes you got to take the bad with the good, but now you're in a tournament where you really can't absorb a whole lot of bad. Everything's got to be on the good side now. And for Indiana, that's got to be three-point shooting. They were 2 of 14 against Penn State. And against a team like Penn State that generally hits a high number of threes, and they only hit eight against IU, which is not a high number for Penn State. But that's still six more threes. That's 18 points gained at the three-point line. That's yeah. a lot to make up in free throws and two-point field goals. Certainly is. Four six eight six two. 262 Sports Medicine text line. Text line has uh, kind of been blowing up a little bit. we got a lot of people in the March Madness mood. We asked, uh, what's your most iconic March Madness moment? Somebody said the Keith Smart game winner against Syracuse to win the NCAA title. I thought we would have some Indiana fans that that one would stick out. Someone else said, this is high school, but Bobby Plump's last-second shot against Muncie Central in the Indiana State Championship game? Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Charles for NC State and Jimmy Valvano. Oh, okay. The That was the uh, 
the three-pointer that became the alley-oop. Yep, because we had another one that said I NC State. I watched that game at my fraternity house, actually. <laughs> yeah, winning alley-oop in 83 to beat Houston. Jimmy V running around the court looking for a hug. <laughs> Someone else with the same thing. And then so a couple uh, texts about Purdue. They said, I think it's worth a shot to play Jenkins in late game when there is full-court pressure. I love Braden Smith, but he is undersized. Well, okay, here's the question. What is the lineup? Don't Don't just give me that one spot. Because I think you have to have Braden Smith out there. Because first of all, he's got ice in his veins if you put him at the free throw line. He's a very good three-point shooter, especially under pressure. So I do like Braden Smith being a guy that's a foul option for the other team. And David Jenkins gives you two point guards, which is not necessarily a bad thing if you're trying to break pressure. Then the third guy, and this is what what I'm, I'm thinking, it can't be Fletcher Lawyer. Right now, I don't know what's happened to Fletcher Lawyer. And this is no criticism of him Personally, it's just that whether he's tired, whether he's dealing with some kind of an ailment, something there is something that has worn down Fletcher Lawyer, either mentally or physically, because he is not hitting free throws. He is not hitting three point shots. And quite honestly, he's an okay defensive player. But if he's not doing those two things, hitting free throws and hitting three-pointers, you wonder how many minutes Matt Painter can give him to play because that's really his strength. That's the thing he really brings to the Boilermakers. And he's not hitting that shot. He was left wide open a few times in the last couple of games, and he didn't drop the shot. And, I mean, that's... That's what Purdue plays for, right? They play for the double team inside, the kick out to the open shooter, and there were multiple times that they got the ball into the hands of Fletcher Lawyer with no defender in sight, and he missed threes. Came up short. And a lot of times, fatigue shows itself by hitting front iron on three-point shots, and he's done it consistently. And so I'm not going to say he's worn out, he's worn down. You know, he doesn't have a big physical frame. He's played more basketball with more minutes in a more physical setting than he's ever played in his life. And I'm not trying to make excuses, but I am asking the question because he's not been the same player over the last month that he was up through mid-January. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. You can weigh in on that. So many things that we've got to cover today. And, I mean, we're just getting started. We're not even halfway through our first list of topics that we were hoping to get to in the first segment. This is just how crazy it's going to be today. Yeah, the madness has taken over a little bit here, Brent. It is a mad month. You know, uh, March, it brings us plenty of madness moments. But what is your signature moment of the NCAA tournament? Let us know. We've got Keith Smart's winner against Syracuse. We've got... Christian Leitner with the turnaround jumper. Uh, we've got, um, uh, well, Bryce Drew, to me, is always going to be a signature moment. But give us yours, 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Let's go ahead and get a quick check of today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Let's rock and roll. Let's get right into these top headlines. We'll start the day with a lot of movement taking place in the NFL today. The Raiders have reached a deal with quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Mike White has signed a deal to become the backup in Miami with the Dolphins. 
Jarrett Stidham will be the backup behind Russell Wilson in Denver. And Case Keenum will be the backup quarterback behind the Houston Texans' likely draft pick this year. And this is where you would say, and from the Indianapolis Colts, and you would play the crickets sound. Because, again, (laughs) I don't know what their plan is, but apparently their plan involves sitting back and watching everybody else be aggressive trying to go out and get quarterbacks, whether it's a starter or a backup. Indiana will face the Kent State Golden Flashes in the first round of the March Madness Tournament. And Purdue will face the winner of Fairleigh Dickinson Knights and the Texas Southern Tigers in the first four. And Team USA took a big hit on Sunday last night at the 2023 World Baseball Classic. Fresh after getting past Great Britain 6-2 on Saturday. Team USA fell to Mexico last night 11-5, making qualification into the next round. A little bit intriguing. Great Britain might have shown up with the most embarrassing uniforms never seen since, like, T-ball. I mean, <laughs> those. did you see them? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. No. I mean, it's like somebody draw Great Britain across the chest. We need, a, we need something <laughs> on this uniform. It was bad. But uh, anyway, there you go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Coming up, we've got Shane Alberati. A lot of excitement on uh, on Coliseum Ice this weekend. We'll talk about it. Uh, goalies fighting and uh, coaches and referees kind of getting into it. Well, well, we'll cover it. Shane Alberani will join us coming up in about 15 minutes. This is Maria Marcasano, head women's basketball coach at Purdue Fort Wayne, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Jane Alberani talking common hockey coming up in minutes. You know, this is a very big tournament for the Indiana Hoosiers, and I think this is overlooked quite a bit, but Indiana expects success. Where is the bar that measures that success? Because you know what? I think now Indiana fans are trying to grasp at anything that looks like the trending of success and calling it success. In other words, It's better than last year, right? That means it's a success. Well, Indiana's bar isn't set at being uh, one game better than you were last year when you lost your first-round game in the NCAA tournament. Yes, you won a play-in game, but officially you lost that first-round game of the NCAA tournament. And, uh, And I look and think, boy, you know what? Tom Crean, and I know that's almost a dirty word for a lot of Indiana Hoosiers fans, But Tom Crean went to the Sweet 16 three out of the last five years. Actually, three of the last six because the sixth year he didn't. But three out of a five-year period, he was in the Sweet 16. He made it to the second weekend of the tournament. Now, he wasn't very good when he got to the second weekend of the tournament. Yes, I understand that. And most Indiana fans thought that wasn't good enough. And so that's why I'm asking, where is the bar anymore for Indiana? Because for Tom Crean, and this only goes back seven, eight years ago, for Tom Crean, that bar was you had to get to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. And he consistently got to the Sweet 16, but that wasn't good enough. Now, where is that bar? Because it seems to have been adjusted just to satisfy the own pleasures of IU fans who want to say, Hey, look, it wasn't a bad season. We got to the NCAA tournament. We won an NCAA tournament game. We're on the right track. And you almost feel like that's what's satisfactory anymore. And it's not the bar that was really set and established for all those years under Bobby Knight. 
for the bar that was established that Tom Crean apparently fell short of. Now, we all know the Archie Miller years were terrible and there was no bar in, in sight. I mean, it was bad. But but let's let's be honest to I me. Mean, what's the expectations here for this Indiana team? If you don't go somewhere through this NCAA tournament, if you're one and done or don't make it out of the first weekend, which there's a very good possibility that that could be the case for Indiana, the way they've been inconsistent and haven't been able to string things together much. But if they're not able to get out of this first weekend, what is the legacy left behind from one of the top players that's ever played at Indiana? I mean, Tracy X. Davis is a top 10 player for sure, and maybe even a debatable top five player in the history of Indiana basketball. I know we'll get texts that will weigh in on that subject, on just how good Trace Jackson Davis is. But there hasn't been any success built around him, and you're going to possibly waste four years with one of the best players you've ever had at your university. So I think this is kind of an important run for Indiana to kind of salvage something out of the Trace Jackson Davis years, because right now all you've got is a play-in game win. That's it. Just want to count an NIT appearance, uh, or or if you want to count that you would have gone to the NCAA tournament, except it got canceled that year. But again, that's moving the bar to make you feel better about the program. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Signature moments of past NCAA tournaments. What is the play that if I had to say, give me a play that really stands out as the quote signature moment of all time NCAA tournaments. What is it? I brought it up earlier because Bryce Drew, the anniversary of the shot for Bryce Drew with Falpo when they beat Ole Miss. Yeah. 25 years ago today. And that's why it came up. But we've had plenty of others that have brought up some some different shots. Uh, Adam, you brought up Christian Leitner. We've got he's smart with the shot from the corner uh, on the baseline. Maybe not full corner, but close to the corner. But what are some of the, the plays and moments of the NCAA tournament that stand out to you as signature moments? What do we have? Yeah, someone went with the Chris Jenkins Villanova winner. Uh, someone else went with uh, Jordan's jumper in 82. Against Georgetown, I believe that was. Um, and, uh, in fact, I think, was that Patrick Ewing's Georgetown Hoyas back in the... It was versus Georgetown. I don't know if it was versus Pat Ewing's Hoyas, but uh, I will check. Uh, and then, uh, what else? Do we have any others? Not yet. Okay, 46862, if you've got anything on your mind. four six. Oh. I was going to say, we did have this. I said Someone said their what-if March Madness moment was if Gordon Hayward makes that shot against Duke, where would Butler be today if that shot goes in? Yeah, the, the shot that could have been a signature moment, but it rimmed out. <laughs> so close. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and you have to realize, what was Butler back then? You know, Butler at that time was nothing more than a, a mid-major program. And uh, they ended up, I mean, the reason they're in the Big East is because of those couple of seasons of making it to the Final Four. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. The reason Brad Stevens is an executive in Boston for a couple of years in the Final Four. I mean, 
you know, that really was kind of what uh, drove the uh, the Butler program into a whole new level. And um, and uh, th- those those appearances in the final fours. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. We've got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some Comet hockey and some of the craziness of the weekend. You know, not only did we get a couple of Comet wins, but, man, we got some real madness over the weekend, and we'll talk about it with Shane Alberani, who's going to join us next here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Fred Rump with Adam Lundy, and we've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. A lot of texts coming in, signature moment of all-time NCAA tournaments, and a lot of people are weighing in saying the Lorenzo Charles dunk at the end for North Carolina State against Houston, against Fly, was it, uh, not Fly Jamas, what was, uh, oh man, I can't think of it now, um, Slam a jam. I can't think of the, the term. Um, maybe maybe Shane will help me out. Of course, Shane's a hockey guy. I don't know if he'll know, but we'll check. Shane Alberani joins us here on the Sports Rush. Why am I having trouble with that phrase, Shane? <laughs> I didn't catch that. What did you say, Brett? I'm I'm struggling because uh, Houston, the uh, Houston back uh, with with uh, all the slam dunkers, and, and you had uh, a lot of... Oh, five slam a jamma. Five slam a jamma. Why did I have trouble with that? I don't know. I had to, I had to ask, uh, you know, a younger guy like Shane. <laughs> Might have me by a year or two. Anyway, Shane, uh, uh, what a weekend of Comet Hockey. Had to have you on today. It has nothing to do with wins and losses, although I think it was a two-in-one weekend, if I kept count correctly. But uh, this is all about... I guess the craziness of the game of hockey. And who would have thought with all the great calls and as a hockey play-by-play guy, you're probably dreaming of that signature moment for you being when somebody scores an overtime winner, game seven of the playoffs or something like that. And it comes down to you going viral on Saturday because of a (laughs) goalie fight with two goaltenders going at it. And I mean... This was fantastic. I mean, they had the whole ice to themselves. Players kind of gathered around in a big circle to all get front row seats. I mean, this was truly a Saturday night main event at the end of that game. Yeah, uh, a goalie fight, that's that's the unicorn. Or a Friday I mean, night. I should correct myself. A Friday night main Friday event night, since yeah. it was Friday. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's that, for, for a hockey broadcaster, that is the unicorn. Uh, you know, you expect to sometime have a, a game seven, uh, uh, a winning goal and, and all that. That's expected. But to get a goalie fight, and especially the way it was, like you said, Brett, it was set up beautifully. Everyone cleared out. They <laughs> took their masks off, and it was rumble time. They had, they had the uh, ring all to themselves. And, uh, and let me just say that I think that Wheeling goalie may be uh, picked on the wrong guy. We never knew what Fanti could bring in a situation like that, but wow. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, no one did. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, uh, actually I got into the dressing room after the game and I said, I didn't realize we had Larry bleeping Holmes on this team. I mean, that first, and, and, and Shane, how many of the guys, remarkable, how many of the guys sitting in that locker room looked at you and thought, who's Larry Holmes? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's kind of why I use it. You gotta go, you gotta go like, uh, you know, uh, Mayfield or somebody like somebody they might actually know, but yeah, he uh, has he ever been in a fight before? Did you ever ask? No, him? 
No, no. Uh, you know, Ryan Fanti's never been in a fight uh, at all. And, uh, you know, he was just, uh, you know, uh, Brad Barone stared him down and just kind of started to creep towards him, and, and Ryan Fanti obliged, and that was that. I mean, it was an absolute massacre. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I think Brad Barone really got thrown out of the game for absorbing more punches. I mean, that was just, just crazy. Uh, you know, he, he hit him with a straight left hand, then he faked with another left, and then he dropped an overhand haymaker on him, and it was over. Oh, yeah, it was lights out. Good night. Uh, thanks for joining the party. Uh, it was just fantastic. And, um, did he have a strategy? I mean, all of a sudden you're in that moment, and I guess you probably never think about, uh, you know, what your strategy is in a fight if you're not planning on being in a fight. But did did he have any kind of set strategy as far as I'm throwing the first, you know, because it looked like he intentionally went with the jab to kind of measure him up a little bit. And then just then once he grabbed the jersey, just started winding up with the right hand. Yeah, I don't know what, if he had a strategy, but that, that straight left hand was one of the best I mean, you're not, many boxers would love to land that, and he, and he tagged him right on the chin. And, and right that, that was an instant moment of regret for Brad Barone. <laughs> I have made a huge mistake. Yeah, I picked on, <laughs> I picked on the wrong guy. Uh, boy, that was, that was quite uh, the way to finish off the game. And then, ironically, these two teams had to play the very next night. Uh, were there any follow-up instances? Uh, anything happened the next night? What was Saturday like? Yeah, no, there wasn't. Uh, there wasn't much carryover. And when, when that happens, you know, they're, they're, you're, you really don't expect it. I mean, sometimes it would happen, but I wasn't really expecting that uh, because, uh, you know, the Comets had – they had to play Sunday too. So it's like they could not really get, get sucked into any nonsense on Saturday. You know, Wheeling, they were not going to play on Sunday. So, uh, you know, and, and with, the, with the wins uh, against Wheeling Friday and Saturday, it, it pretty much dashed – Wheeling's playoff hopes, and the comments are still playing for something. So, you know, you had to bear that in mind that, you know, you couldn't uh, get into much nonsense on Saturday. Well, speaking of playing for something, Sunday's game seems to be uh, that much bigger because you've, you've taken care of business against Wheeling in head-to-head, and now you start your, putting your sights on the Indy Fuel. And uh, yesterday's game, um, well, let's just say it was... Comets versus fuel versus officials is the way it's probably best described. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to kind of speak to that. Um, all I know is that up in the booth last night, me and uh, Fred Bean, we were we were baffled. It was almost like, you know, we, you know, you don't like to get on the refs because hey, you know, we get fined too, so we can't uh, really do that. But we were we were really baffled. And uh, you know, if you get a chance to check out uh, Ben Boudreaux's comments, uh, uh, Justin Prince from WFFT actually posted Ben's uh, press conference after the game, uh, and, and, and Ben just laid it out, and he and he said, uh, you know, what he was thinking and what was going on. And actually, I, I just talked to Ben. I just left him just five minutes ago before I got uh, on the air with you, and, and kind of getting more of the story. And it's even coming out a little bit more how it was. It, it felt personal last night. Uh, between uh, the the referee and Ben Boudreaux, because Ben's been thrown out of three games in nine years, and this guy has thrown him out of all three. So it wasn't it wasn't just Ben, but it was also some of the players that that, that it felt like a personal personal thing between this guy and and the Comets. 
I know Ben had talked in that press conference, and and I'm not going to have you repeat anything that Ben said or get yourself in trouble because I don't want you to get fined because, you know, the one person listening today is in the ECHL office. (laughs) But uh, honestly, the the whole process that Ben was talking about, having it reviewed, I don't know if you file a formal protest on the game or what – what is the actual formal process that the Comets go through to report the official? How does that well, work? Well, it's every, yeah, everything is it is under review. You know, they, we've uh, you know they've already talked to the league. Ben has had his his uh, conference uh, with the league officials, and I believe a couple more players are also going to do that as well and get and get everybody's side of the story. So that's where it where it where it goes. You know, but unfortunately, you know, the Comets, you know, they, they had eighty eight minutes in penalties, and Indy had twenty six. I mean, if that kind of tells you mm-hmm. uh, how lopsided it was last night, and. Uh, uh, you know, and it was an important game. You know, the, the, the Fuel had lost the night before the Comets had won, so suddenly they're eight points back with two games at hand and four games against Indy. I mean, that was in their sights, and that was a killer last night. So, you know, it, it really it really spoiled the Comets on, on a lot of fronts. And there's nothing about changing the outcome of the game. There, there's no potential of that with, with the process that the the, the – the league is going through right now. Yeah, no, I mean it's just like any other any sport, anything. You know that it's not going to happen. You know, but you can you know, uh, again take steps to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, I know uh, Ben made a comment that that official who he called out on that piece on social media, uh, he will do everything in his power to be sure he never works another game in yeah. Fort Wade. What control do you have, or do the Comets have? I don't know how much the radio guy has control of it, but <laughs> but the, the organization, how much control do you have over officials that you want to blackball? I mean, is there a way to, to say a you know do not approve list or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think the league will take it all all in all all in, uh, you know, with with all respect, and I think. You know, again, they're doing their investigation. I mean, it's a full-on thing here. You know, they're you're talking to the coach, the, uh, everyone, uh, a few players on the comments. They talked to Coach Ben Boudreau. You know, they're getting the full story. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there is a little bit of control this this team has because there's a history there. Because it's like what what Ben said. He's been thrown out of three games in nine years, and this guy throwing him out of all three. So there's something there. Shane Alberani joining us here on the Sports Rush. Shane, this team offensively seems to be clicking pretty well right now, and it also seems, by no coincidence, that this is also a pretty good roster right now offensively. Drake Rimsha uh, being back on the ice consistently, I think that makes a big difference. But having having this group, this offense right now, you have to feel pretty good about the comments at that end of the ice. Well, what's interesting about uh, this team right now is that, you know, you're, they're missing their, their leading scorer. Uh, Ty Fellaber is up in the AHL. Sam Dub McFalls, uh, a great centerman, was called up to, uh, to Bakersfield. <clears throat> so there's some parts and pieces missing from this team. And really, Drake Grimshaw is really the only kind of true goal store, scorer. Everyone else on this team is just an absolute grinder. So it's like mm-hmm. you're not getting the pretty goals, but everyone is getting those greasy ones in front of the net. That's why Matt Alvaro, uh, you know, uh, I believe he had 10 assists 
uh, over the last three games. You know, he's got three goals, uh, Anthony Petrozelli and Sean Boudria. I mean, these are, this is where these guys shine. Mark Rassel and, uh, Oliver Cooper, who scored another one. I mean, this is how, where, uh, the kind of games that, that they like to play. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to be an interesting challenge for teams down the stretch if they don't get these guys back. But there's still 15 games left. And, and again, you know, now it's college signing season. You're going to start bringing a few kids in to have them a look to see if they can uh, uh, have an impact uh, going forward. So, again, you know, this roster evolves until the very last day of the regular season. And, of course, Common fans may remember Yuri Patera, who was in the Nets, uh, what was it, two seasons ago? And ended up uh, making it last night on the ice yeah, yeah, for the uh, Golden Knights. Uh, Yuri was here last year, yeah. And uh, uh, he's a great kid, and, and, and congratulations to him. Uh, another Comet goaltender making it to the show. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shane, what's the week ahead? Uh, you know, you got three road tests. You're going on the road Friday, Saturday, Sunday against divisional opponents. Uh, you, you get the rematch with Indy on Saturday. You start off the week uh, in Kalamazoo on Friday, and then you got Cincinnati on uh, on uh, Sunday. So uh, Cincinnati's battling for that top spot. Uh, Indy, you know, of course, they're trying to get up in the top two as well. And and Kalamazoo, uh, it's you know, it, even though it's faint, they still have got life in the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be a, a tough weekend, uh, and uh, the Comets just have to put. Sunday behind them and 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 uh, keep going forward and uh, you know Ryan Fancy is going to keep on getting interview requests. I've been fielding them all day, so uh, uh, <laughs> he'll still be a celebrity uh, after next weekend. <laughs> well, hopefully he'll have his head ready to get back into the nets uh, this weekend. And uh, Shane, always appreciate you. Have a great week, and we'll look forward to common hockey coming up this weekend. Thanks a lot, Brad. Yep, that is Shane Albrani joining us on the guest line, talking about the Comets and their weekend with the goalie fight. Of course, it's all over uh, social media. Yeah, it made the um, the the barstool hockey page spitting chicklets. It made uh, John Boy Media and uh, a lot of love for uh, Shane's announcing on social media. I saw people saying he should uh, consider UFC. Yeah, he called a great fight. Yeah, I mean, it was like I don't know how he did on the hockey game, but by <laughs> gosh, he got the fight right. Uh, perfect. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, that was great, and we we always love getting our local teams exposure in the national media too. That's awesome. Oh yeah, and uh, and even if it takes a goalie fight for uh, and and the funny thing was the wheeling goalie was the one who initiated it. He came yeah. out and he challenged Fanti. Fanti stepped up to him, and uh, boy, big mistake. You know that's that's one of those. What's that uh, movie clip? Big mistake. Oh, that was uh, Pretty Woman when she uh, came back and showed all the packages that she had bought at the other stores. You know, big mistake. Because <laughs> that's kind of the way that uh, Wheeling goalie had to feel. I still can't believe we had to get the hockey guy on to help you uh, with the uh, basketball trivia question there for <laughs> about Fly Slamma Jamma. I, I don't know why I kept wanting to say fly. I got fly stuck in my mind, and then I couldn't think. And it's like, okay, my mind just went completely blank, and now I'm panicking because I know I got Shane on hold. <laughs> Bye, Slamma Jamma. I mean, it, it sounds so obvious now. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was just like one of those boneheaded moments where a, a an air bubble took uh, took total control of my brain. Um, 46862, by the way, if you do have any special signature moments from the NCAA tournaments past. Yeah, we just we got one uh, while you were talking to Shane. They said, uh, agree with Bryce Drew, but have two others as an IU fan. Um, Steve Alford's four-point play versus UNLV. First, they had witnessed with the advent of the three-point line, and IU wasn't supposed to be able to keep up with the running Rebels. And A.J. Moy blocking Duke's Carlos Boozer. Hmm. Now those are those are plays 
that live in the minds of an Indiana fan. Absolutely. They're not like all-time signature moments of the tournament. Those are all-time Indiana fan moments of Indiana basketball. Yeah, they did say as an IU fan. Yeah, as an IU fan. (laughs) Exactly. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. By the way, this also came in. This is some uh, breaking news. Jeremy Fowler uh, has announced that Jesse Bates is signing a contract with the Atlanta Falcons. Jesse Bates, of course, not retained by the Cincinnati Bengals, became a free agent, and he will be signing with the Atlanta Falcons, according to Jeremy Fowler. So there you go, a little farther from home. But, uh, hey, Atlanta's a nice place. I guess if you're going to go someplace, Atlanta's not bad. Yeah, all you uh, Snyder grads out there looking to pick an Atlanta Falcons jersey up? Now you can take that that trip to that one way trip on Delta down from Fort Wayne to Atlanta. There you Shoot go. Shoot down there for a game. Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine Text Line. We got to take a break. Coming up in hour number two, we've got our fifteen minutes with Fish. Don Fisher will join us coming up about thirty minutes from now, and of course, plenty of talk about the NCAA tournament, the draw, Indiana, Purdue. What's ahead? It's all coming up as we go to hour number two next here on the Sports Rush on thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM. 